Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Next week, guys, is race week. How is the energy? I think all of you all must be super excited. For me, it is absolutely sky high. And the countdown is actually in single digits now. And uh, guys, but this is not our pre-Australian Grand Prix episode. This is our pre-pre-Australian Grand Prix episode. Thank you for clarifying that. And Kunal, there is so much to look forward to already. Everyone is singing Ferrari's praises. Let's see if Ferrari can finally deliver on their main goal. Fans have been waiting since what, 2007? Yes, and Sebastian Vettel has been waiting since 2016, 2017. But uh, the man who was expected to deliver a world title with uh, Ferrari, Fernando Alonso, he has been impressed by Ferrari. Pedro Della Rosa has been impressed by Ferrari. In fact, he says that Ferrari could dominate in 2019. Well, all I remember of Pedro de la Rosa is him testing for Ferrari's arch-rival McLaren back in the days. Yes, arch-rival back in the days. Clearly. <laughs> Had to add that. Yeah, I think, you know, if Helmut Marco is to be believed, McLaren are definitely at the bottom end of now the Now they're table. just back, not back in the days. <laughs> <laughs> but since you mentioned Pedro de la Rosa, my mind also goes back to Luca Baduor or Luca Baduor. I don't know what the pronunciation is. But uh, because they they were two test drivers who never did anything but test driving. So anyway, move on from them. Uh, I would love to see a competitive Ferrari. I keep saying that. But I would also love to see a competitive Red Bull Racing. I would love to see a competitive McLaren. In fact, at this moment, I would love to see a competitive Williams as well. And I don't want any particular team to dominate the championship. I just want a good fight. Just like we had the last season and, you know, somewhat of 2017 as well. Well, Red Bull Racing claims that they will make it a three-way fight. Kunal, at least that's what they say in their pre-season PR statement. But Ferrari has pulled a masterstroke because after all the hype around the surrogate branding with Marlboro, Ferrari have gone and dropped Mission Winner from their official team name for 2019. And I believe there could be two reasons for this. First, which is plain and simple, is that they finally realized how silly the mission sounds and, you know, even more so to make it like your team name. And the second could be that this could very well be like their original plan, you know, make all the noise and the fanfare and, uh, you know, get all the controversy ringing and then finally bail out at the last minute and let everyone wonder what actually happened and, you know, give no explanation and, disappear the very way that you ended up you know being uh, you know on the car that's probably what's happening although it could you know very well be only for the Australian Grand Prix yeah basically mission win now got the same treatment as Mauricio Arriva Ben. 
But Kunal, I hear that Ferrari have a surprise for everyone with their livery plans. Let's see what it is. I'm excited to see. Well, but I wouldn't bet on Mission Win now making uh, special appearances on the Ferrari car. You know, much like Fernando Alonso would do time and time again for McLaren. <laughs> Maybe. Well, McLaren and Fernando Alonso, or rather Fernando Alonso has said that he is a racer, he's a tester and he's a mentor for McLaren in 2019. So let's see where all that goes. So guys, in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast, we have a lot to discuss and we're going to start or actually continue with Ferrari. The team that first said that Vettel would get priority and then they went and said that Leclerc would be allowed to fight Vettel. Kunal, I just hope this isn't a, this is not a sign of them getting, you know, super unsure like they were in 2018 all over again. Ross Brown has actually made a statement. He said that managing Leclerc and Vettel could be a headache for Ferrari. But let's not speculate. Let's just wish that there's a fair fight and that Ferrari don't end up jeopardizing Leclerc's races, you know, to favor Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, the one race of Kimi Raikkonen that they didn't jeopardize last year was the USA Grand Prix, and we all saw what happened there. And you know, Sergio Perez has finally given up on his dreams of racing for Ferrari and Honestly I I feel for him I would feel for someone even like Nico Hulkenberg but you know talking about Perez he came close a few times or at least that's what he made us believe through all his you know PR machinery and not bad actually and Mr nice guy Sebastian Vettel so he recommended Ferrari should sign up Pascal Verlaine as their simulator driver well I'm sure Perez was hoping that Sebastian Vettel would have recommended that Ferrari sign up Perez as their number 2 driver but uh Perez has also probably recommended to his brother Fabian to sign up with Mercedes in the ADAC GT series so there's actually a, a Vettel in Mercedes as well just that it's not in formula 1 probably the only way mercedes could have got their hands on a vettel i think so and i think i, I i'm not the only one wondering why mercedes would want a vettel when they have a hamilton <laughs> by the way have you heard uh, lewis hamilton said that the tire identification was too confusing for him also and you know luckily kunal he doesn't have to bother too much about what tire he would be racing on the headache is going to be ours you know to understand what's going on yes ladies and gentlemen hereby i declare mithila mehta as the chief tire understanding officer of the inside line <laughs> f1 podcast i think it's going to be a full time role i don't think i can help with anything else on the podcast in that case Well, as long as you just make it with your tire notes and tell us who was on C1, C2, C3 and what the difference <laughs> is. It sounds were. like a very tiring job already. Okay, let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So, Gunther Steiner of Haas, he went and made a bold statement and he actually went and said something that we've been saying on our podcast for several seasons now. He said that he believes Ferrari and Mercedes could destroy Formula 1. and he of course said this in the context of budgets and the amount of money that they spend and between the two teams it's almost half a billion dollars to go racing and uh you know we've been also saying this in the context of the power unit politics that the two of them have been playing yeah haas you know i think that they're going to give reno a pretty tough fight for fourth place and i'm also going to quote steiner he said that haas has made an f1 podium relies on luck and i think we all know that somewhere you know because for any team 
to break from Formula 1.5 to Formula 1. That whole break is based purely on luck. Well, Renault claimed that they actually hit their high engine, you know, targets in testing and they're claiming to have added like 20 or 50 bhp to their power units from last year. And aside from all the PR talk, 2019 is, you know, when Renault could probably fade away into oblivion as a power unit manufacturer and, and maybe even as a works team. And and mind you, there's just so much that brand Daniel Ricciardo can do to safeguard Renault against bad performances. And Renault no longer have Red Bull Racing to bring them the glory of podiums and race wins. Uh, by the way, Christian Horner used Daniel Ricciardo once again to prove Verstappen's talent. He said that Ricciardo ran away from a fight with Verstappen. I think we should maintain a counter on the internet. How many times has Christian Horner and Helmut Marco used Daniel Ricciardo to prove Max Verstappen's talent? Because I think it's just every time they want to talk about Verstappen's greatness, they make a reference to Ricciardo and... That's a little strange because we all know how talented Verstappen is. So can we please just leave Daniel Ricciardo all alone? Yeah, and speaking of Verstappen, he said that he couldn't sleep the night before his first drive with the Honda engine. Kunal, do you think he's going to be having more sleepless nights in 2019? Well, not if Helmut Marco is to be believed because Marco has very boldly claimed that Red Bull Racing are in the fight with Ferrari and Mercedes and that McLaren are at the back of, you know, back of the grid. They're going to be in the bottom with Williams. It's so strange, you know, to claim Verstappen's greatness. Red Bull Racing wants, needs to downtalk Ricardo, And to claim Honda's awesomeness, Red Bull Racing downtalks McLaren. I mean, come on, guys, get over it. You guys are strong enough to stand on your own might. Yes, I hope they realize that because that is a very good point And that is why Mithila Mehta is the co-host with me on the Inside you, Line you. F1 podcast. <laughs> but... You know, maybe Red Bull Racing, uh, just taking a cue from what you said, need to change their points of reference. They need to move on from Ricardo and McLaren. Yes, and we shall too. We shall move on to Robert Kubica. Kubica said that he is only 20% prepared for the opening round in Australia. Kunal, I really hope that Kubica's return is not judged by Williams's lack of pace. That would be really unfair. And just hours before we actually sat to record, there were rumours that Paddy Love had taken leave from the Williams team. And we all know why that could be. Yes, and it's just strange how the two stars of the famous Williams-Mercedes swap from two years, pretty much like, you know, had disastrous two years. I'm talking of Paddy Lowe and Valtteri Bottas. They're still struggling to settle down in their new teams. Gunal, I just hope that this isn't Paddy Lowe's fall from grace. You know, given all his accomplishments in Formula 1, it just seems so sad. And unfortunately for him, Mercedes may not have a vacancy to take him back. Yes, and I think Paddy Lowe is one of the shareholders at Williams. So, you know, I wait to see how and what actually happens to the Lowe and Williams story. But uh, let me remind you that he's actually the fall guy. Because he can't be the only reason the car didn't end up turning in testing or when it did, the car was slow. You know, it can't be that just one guy was responsible for, you know, what happens or what is happening at Williams. Racing Point are set to have a new motorhome this season. Kunal, they could have just given that extra money to Williams. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know that Williams' struggles aren't financial, given how well-paid they are by Formula One, but still, you know. Yes, and Racing Point's current motorhome, if I'm not mistaken, is eight seasons old. Because 
when I joined the team in 2010, we had like this older spec of motorhome. And then in 21, we had an upgrade. So anyway, you know, there's new money from new investors. So let them splurge. But I also hear that the uh, rival teams are okay with Williams providing Pirelli with a mule car to test the 2021 tyres. And it seems quite obvious why they're okay with Williams more than any other team on the grid doing that. From world champions to mule champions. Can you really imagine that? And as funny as or as strange as it sounds, I'm going to use this as a title of the podcast if you're okay with it. And, uh, you know, I just hope that we don't end up losing Williams from Formula One. Yeah, I just hope that this doesn't impact, you know, Russell's and Kubica's careers in Formula One. Both of them are trying so hard to make an impression. One rookie, the other comeback rookie. I just hope it works out for them. Uh, Luckily for Russell, he is a Mercedes junior driver, so he should be well taken care of. But then again, we all know what happened to the other Mercedes driver, the junior driver, Pascal Verlein. And and somewhere... uh, Esteban Ocon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, but you know, talking of Robert Kubica, this is what I honestly feel is going to happen. Kubica is going to race for for Williams for one season. And it'll be like one of those hallmark comebacks in sport. In the, and it should be, and for all the right reasons. Then he, you know, of course, you know, the season's not going to be successful for various reasons. And then he is going to end up being recommended by one of the current drivers to become a simulator driver for, you know, a bigger team. And that's what he's going to end up doing from 2020. Well, well, there you go, guys. Kunal's one and only crystal ball in action. <laughs> yes, thank you. But I'm also going to add... I also see Robert Kubica going to Formula E. I have a strong feeling that's going to happen to him. So maybe let's or rather let's hope that the crystal ball actually is showing me or telling me the right things to talk on the podcast. <laughs> well, I don't have any such crystal ball, but I think Kimi Raikkonen's next career move could be, uh, you know, to become a race mechanic. I so love to see him mend his broken race seat in the video on Instagram. Very cool. But Kunal, honestly, I wasn't surprised, you know. It was just so Nordic of him to to use his own hands and get it done. No, guys, I can guarantee that Mithila is not drooling as she speaks, not just yet. I know (laughs) it's about Kimi Raikkonen, but anyway, closing notes. Before we hand over our podcast to Ashley, yes, she is going to be on our show later in, in, you know, in the next few minutes. Uh, After driver salaries, team earnings are always big talk of the town or talk of the paddock and uh, you know like every season there are some unofficial releases that are there for this season as well it's been in the news for the last few days Ferrari is of course on pole position because despite losing to Mercedes given you know their 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 formula of earning money from Formula One they are earning nearly 30 million dollars more than Mercedes of course guys unofficial sources but Still, why not? Let's talk about it. It's yeah. fine. The other anomaly for me was Williams. Uh, they finished dead last, but they still earn more than Toro Rosso, Sauber and Racing Point. And yes, talking of Racing Point, they have been treated as an existing team and not a new team, despite all of Haas's protests. And uh, also, McLaren were paid a cool $100 million for last year. You know, best of the rest in terms of payment, because I think they were fourth or something. 
but uh, they were pretty much the second slowest team, you know, otherwise through 2018. Yeah, on the tables they finished sixth. Uh, Kunal, the other big discussion is that of the 2019 aero changes. Will they work? Won't they work? Uh, the team bosses are dead sure against the rules. The drivers, they seem to be sounding a little more positive. Uh, I know we spoke of Kevin Magnussen in the last episode, but Ricardo Perez, Botas have you know, jointly praised the FI for the rule changes too. They said that it's much easier now to follow one another, follow cars. You know, there are two thoughts in my head. The first one is that, you know, there is barely any serious following that happens in testing. So let's really wait for the races to come. Uh, but seriously, I just hope that they are right. And honestly, there are only 20 humans in the whole world who can tell us if the changes are a step in the right direction or not. The second is whether Formula One is finally controlling the messaging with regards to the sport. And I think it is high time they do so because, uh, you know, collective messaging is probably crucial while they're trying to rebuild and reposition their brand. Yeah, before you go off on another political angle, I just have one more thing to say. I hope that the garage door DRS wing does not make overtaking a little too easy, you know? Well, it isn't Formula One if it doesn't make overtaking easy. That's pretty much the summary (laughs) of the last few seasons. But back to my point, you know, Formula One is a very controlled environment politically. Everyone knows who yields power in the paddock and who needs to be, you know, kept in the good books, who you shouldn't piss off, etc., etc. But when it comes to making, you know, statements in the media, whether they're positive or negative, It's like a democracy. Anyone can say whatever they want and the repercussions are not as severe as they would otherwise be seen in public. Yeah, the way Jacques Villeneuve gets away with it every single fortnight. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there are several more such examples. So Jacques Villeneuve is probably on pole position. Yeah, but seriously, this is what Jean Todd was alluding to as well. He said that everyone's too critical towards Formula One. And I get what you mean. I get what he means. Thank you. And finally, there's a rumor that Formula One is looking to make a last-minute rule introduction to the sport, that of introducing a bonus championship point for the driver who registers the fastest lap of the race. Yeah, Kunal, I think this is a great idea. We've seen it being followed in various other uh, motorsport categories, including Formula E, actually. I think it's just going to make the final few laps of every race on low fuel very interesting. Uh, Because, you know, we'll have drivers wanting to claim the the new fastest lap title and, of course, ramifications on the championship. You know, if this rule existed in 2018, Valtteri Bottas would have been the biggest beneficiary. He scored, uh, I think, the most number of fastest laps, seven, uh, which would have meant that he would have scored seven more points. And that would have meant that he would have finished ahead of Verstappen in the drivers' championship. The points gap between them was, I think, two points, if I recollect right. Yeah, but Kunal, he would have still only been fourth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fourth place was clearly the place everyone was aiming for, especially, uh, you know, Kimi Raikkonen, given that he so did not want to go to the FIA Awards. But (laughs) I'm sure he and we are all glad that he eventually did end up going to the It would have been a loss to the sport to not (laughs) see him there. Okay, guys, so now we're going to move to a really exciting part of our podcast. We're going to look forward to the 2019 Formula One season and to the opening round in Australia. So we have Ashley Blutman on our podcast. She's a young super fan all the way from Australia. She's a diehard Fernando Alonso fan. And she's going to be sharing her expectations from the upcoming season, 
what she feels about you know her fellow Aussie drivers move to Renault and a lot more. So guys, here is Ashley for you. Hi, it's Ashley and I'm back and I can't wait to talk about my favourite things I'm looking forward to this season. I'm really interested to see how Dan is going to survive outside of Red Bull. On social media, he's all happy, excited and showing off his new team. Is he actually 100% ready to move teams or is he really thinking whether he made the right choice? I think he'd be incredibly nervous because if Red Bull are suddenly better with the Honda engine, he could start regretting his decision. Will he do an Alonso? When he was in Ferrari, he moved to a better team, McLaren, and then all of a sudden they were worse. Or will he do a Hamilton and go from McLaren to the slower team, Mercedes, who then moved to the top of the field? I think Daniel made a brave choice, but we will only know after the chequered flag at the Melbourne GP and then perhaps as the team progresses through the season. Next, it's exciting that Leclerc got sent up into the better car and sent Kimi down into his old shoes. I wonder how Kimi is feeling now. His old team and car gone and replaced with the B version. If I was Kimi, I'd be glad I wasn't sent completely out of F1, so I wouldn't make too much trouble. But I'd be worried if I was you, Charles. Watch out for Iceman on track. Imagine being in Ferrari's shoes and having the choice to move everyone around in their teams. Would I have made that choice about switching Charles and Kimi? Personally, I think Ferrari were very smart with their choices and I think Charles Leclerc will do very well and maybe even be a bigger threat to Lewis than Sebastian is. Seb can't let down his game near Leclerc. But what if Ferrari picked the wrong driver to send down? Is it time for another driver to have a go, Sebastian? Also, I think that the driver changes this season will influence the championship. Will Sauber do better with an experienced driver such as Kimi? How will Toro Rosso and Williams go with all the newbies or the old drivers returning? Maybe the engines this year might help the drivers more in some cars. In others, it's up to the skill and concentration of the drivers. Will size and shape of the cars matter? I think so. Last season, there was a technicality that the Ferrari cars won some of their races because the cars was longer than the Mercedes cars. I think this season will be more technical as the cars are getting more advanced. I'm really excited about the Federation Square season opener. Melbourne is also very pumped about this and wants to make it the best opening ever. Our citizens are proud of our city and want to show off how good we are. They will make this opening as big and as action-packed as possible to show off our community. I can't wait to see how they show this. I can't wait for this season. It's going to be fantastic and an action-packed year. Thanks again to Canal for asking me to give my opinion of the upcoming season. See you at the Melbourne GP. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Ashley. It's always a delight to hear your views and you have some very pertinent questions there. And of course, enjoy your experience at the Australian Grand Prix. Right. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, We will see you next week. But uh, please remember, our week is going to be a little shorter because we want to be there a few days before the Australian Grand Prix. So probably see you in a few days. Adios.
What do millions of Americans and three former U.S. presidents have in common? They all agree that Bolin Branch sheets are the softest, most comfortable sheets in the world. Bolin Branch cotton is rain-fed, pesticide-free, and carries the highest organic certification. That's why it's so soft. Bolin Branch sheets start at just $160. They're $1,000 quality for a fraction of the price. Plus, you can sleep on them for a month, risk-free. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Restrictions may apply. See BolinBranch.com for details.